Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Giant Pod with me, your host, Andy Rintmore. My guest this week is James Lavers. James is a business and personal development coach. He also has a history of producing for QVC. We talk about what it was like growing up to have a locally famous father and his observations of how somebody may have an outward-facing persona and a private real persona. We talk about duty. We talk about how Tony Robbins changed his life with an audio book called Unlimited Power. We talk about how that helped him overcome uh, an issue with profuse blushing. Uh, We talk about confidence. We talk about Jordan Peterson. We talk about hierarchies. And we have one of my most enjoyable conversations I think we've had on this podcast. I really enjoyed James's time. I think you guys are going to really love this one. It's entertaining. It's funny. It's heartwarming. It's deep. And above all, it's very human. Um, we reach some very real levels. Uh, I know we talk a lot about you know the uh, the constructed self and and the the you know the uh, the version of you that you put out in public and the real version of you. And I really believe in this conversation that this stuff was stripped away, and we have a very real, genuine conversation. I think it's great. I think you guys are going to love it. Here's James Lavers on the Giant Pod. I give you a really a, a pretty thin synopsis yeah, of, what, I of, of what we're doing. Can right? you be here at eight? Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's essentially, it, it's conversations, right? And, and the crux of this podcast probably is sometimes I tell people that when I'm in the shop, people coming in, I, I seem to know everyone, but I don't get a lot of time with, mm. with a lot of these people that come in who I think are interesting because Froome is obviously getting flooded with like professionals and people in creative industries and mm. people that do like stuff that I want to know about that I'm fascinated by. And so it's not like a Froome cast or anything, but I'm just interested in people that have ambition and are doing stuff that's interesting and I was just like, well, I want to pick your brains about it. But you can't always just like pester people to go and have a conversation with them. So it's like, well, we might as well make a podcast. And then that's my excuse to have these conversations. When did you decide that you were interested in other people to that level? Well, it's it just kind of came out of, you know, people have been saying to me for years, like, oh, Andy, you should do a podcast. And I think, okay, all right, well, I will. Because I used to do radio. So I've kind of... Mm. got that thing going on and then harry was like andy i'm you know setting up a podcast i've got this gear i've got this expertise and stuff you know we can we can create something really cool here like really professional from the get-go and he was like i want i would like to you to do the podcast and then so the idea sort of is born of that so it wasn't me sat at home it wasn't alien to you you weren't like what that's weird what the fuck no you were naturally like oh yeah yeah i was like oh i was gonna do this yeah but i knew i'd have to invest a shit ton like that's two grand of camera two grand's worth of cameras here these are what are these harry 380 whatever 380 a pop it's just it's a lot of money and i don't have that amount of money to, to throw into a podcast, the only way I was going to do a podcast mm. is if we were doing it like this. Mm. I wasn't going to do some half-baked talking to a fucking SM57 notion. Into your iPhone. Into your iPhone and all that stuff. And that that stuff is valid. Yeah. If the content is there, 
it's valid, I think, if what the people are saying is is good. Well, ideally you want both, that. don't you? It's like if you have beautiful production values and it's bollocks, boring bollocks. <laughs> right, yeah. That's almost more disappointing. Yeah. yeah and we've likewise, seen... really profound but echoey in somebody's bathroom is like, oh, come on. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. There's a middle ground somewhere. Yeah, we are Goldilocks principle here. Yeah, the Goldilocks. Let's get it just right. Yeah, and and yeah. that's the thing. And we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of podcasts that really focus on the the exterior mm. and and think that you know if they have this 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 and this checked off because they've seen successful podcasts do it, but it's all just the the superfluous. Uh, it's just the the stuff on the outside it's the bells and whistles mm. i think uh, about that a lot you know the right. the idea that sometimes if you're only defined by what else you're seeing yeah then that's almost the opposite of original right because you're literally going okay we don't want to be that we want to we like that and we'll but we want to have our unique spin on that yeah you know and then you end up it's like where are you in all of that right you've literally you've defined yourself by adaptations of everything else yeah and it becomes it becomes this sort of lukewarm vanilla vanilla adaptation of something which is far more is executed way better Mm. there's nothing new under the sun so Mm. there's very very rarely is there original ideas out there now it's all pinched or you know taken from from other things throughout history so it, it's we're not going in on something that's like oh we're gonna be the most original groundbreaking podcast it's like no let's just do a good podcast yeah if it's good yeah yeah people will come and they will find it and this is what we're finding or even just real yes do you know what i mean yeah. like i think people are craving real now like right. more than anything Tell me about this. What, what, well, your, what just, are your feelings on on this? And we've got edit control as well. I see that smile, which is the you say we, we you, you so you've said about real, but mm. then it's the mm, what am I going to say that could get me cancelled kind of thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> this is the world we exist in, um, but we have edit edit control. Mm. So do, let's just go wherever and um, and and. I think we're in the industry that I work in, which is largely working with coaches, right? Life coaches and health coaches and coach coaches and, you know everybody <laughs> coaches who coach coaches yeah, yeah exactly yeah. to coach coaches <laughs> <laughs> right but i think there is uh, some of the buzzwords in recent years has been authentic ah uh, you got to be authentic man let your authentic say and it's interesting to me that like the more you start hearing people saying that i'm just trying to be authentic it's interesting how inauthentic yeah yeah and i'm sort of fascinated i'm not sure i get what's going on there right yet other than that we know when something's real i don't know what it is but i think it's like when you know someone's bullshitting you yeah which actually as it turns out human beings aren't that good at knowing when they're being lied to really i always feel like i'm acutely aware right if you ask most people yeah they'll say how well do you think you are at detecting lies. Right. They'll always go, oh, yeah, I'm, oh, I'm great. 80, 90% of the right. time, really good. And as it turns out scientifically, especially the people that say that, right. are usually around about 50 50. Interesting. It's about 50 50. Yeah. Okay. Um, yet, I think we have a nose for real. Right. For like, 
am I really seeing you now or am I seeing layers and layers of, construct. of facade yeah. and kind of, I mean, even in this, right, we're sat in two chairs, we're two metres apart, we've got the microphone. It's very easy to go like, oh, I've got to put on the, the PR mask or the I'm on telly mask or the do you know, I'm on the radio yeah. mask, you know. Yeah. And I think we, I'd like to think we are good at spotting that. Right. Do we're you know not, what I mean? We're not though, because because you can right. just see it in Sad. you see it in um, in celebrity culture, and I guess you know the cancel culture stuff is like every other week or every other day. It's like, oh, I thought he was all right, mm. and it's like, and it's like, what are you basing that on? Yeah, very little. You're basing it on characters you've seen them play in films. You've, you're basing it on promotional material for movies you've seen them being paid to do yeah where they're where they're appealing to a certain audience so when when that that fellow was in, interviewing uh robert downey jr there's that famous moment where he was getting too close to the drug past and he, uh, you've seen yes. that and he goes yes. you know what and he gives him i saw it on a, a there's a youtube channel called charisma on command or something yes yeah i know yeah um it may have been that one it may have been a different one but they they break it down and they're like okay so he's like downey jr has given him a warning shot here missed it he's given him another warning shot yeah. with this look he missed it then he goes for the jugular he's out you know right what? yeah we're done and there's a part of me that's like he will talk about that because it's there and there's there's money to be made in that but the, but he will talk about that but you're not going to get him talking about that when he's promoting a disney family film like mm. avengers or iron man that's not the that's not the gig so it's, it's very so people will be different things for different uh, circumstances. Do you think we crave, I mean, we as in, I really mean non-celebrities, right? right. Non-global celebrities. Do you think at some level we sort of crave to sort of, that's why we love the dirt, right? That's why National Enquirer exists. That's why... Investigative journalism. Yeah, yeah. it's why OK Magazine exists. Like, we want to know the dirt because... Do we feel that that brings us? Do, you, uh, do we feel that brings us a little bit closer to them? It's like we always it, people will habitually say, "Oh, I saw like Hugh Grant was in town a few weeks ago." Right? <laughs> I was in the bakery earlier that he went to, and I bought right. a sausage roll, and I was like, "That's not going to be all over Froom Times." No. And we're always like, "What was he like? What was he really like?" <laughs> and I think that's the question we're all sort of subconsciously yeah. asking of each other as well. It's like, well, "What are you really like?" Yeah. yeah, and and people want people want to hear he's the most fantastic, phenomenal human being I've ever met. Or, it was incredible, but all the time you get yeah he's just a down to earth nice guy. A, he was and a, people he, go another oh. man, people Who, go, oh. whose job it is is to pretend to be somebody else. Right, yeah, that's it. So why are you asking what he's? Well, I guess why are you asking what he's really like is because all you see is him being someone else. But I wish I had the sighting for this right. But right. there is a study done with a particular species of monkey, I, don't, I can't remember what, but a monkey, that love grapes and grape juice. Right. And because of the way that, this, that monkeys organise in their troops, the lower status monkeys will trade their most favourite thing, grapes and grape juice, right? They'll trade it just to look at the photo of a higher status monkey, like the alpha monkey, right? Really? Whereas the higher status monkeys won't even look at a photo of a low status monkey, even if they're bribed with grapes. <laughs> and I was like... They cannot be corrupted. Right, 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 right. right. Well, now we think, oh, 
stupid monkeys. Yeah. And it's like, look at the magazine rack when you go into anywhere. Like, magazines are all, look, there's a celebrity, like we buy it because yeah. of who's on the cover. And it's, right. we're the same. Uh. We're the same. <gasps> Hugh Grant was in town. And it's like, we're all trading grape juice for the chance to, oh, well, I, I saw him leave. Oh, <laughs> I was down a street and my friend, yeah. who's dog sometimes sniffs the butt of the other dog that owner they yeah. saw him and it's like we want to be close to yeah. these 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 figures of significance yeah and somehow that makes us feel safe yeah they've proven this they've proven in human beings when you look at celebrity magazines yeah I can't remember the drug your brain, what is it? Dopamine. Dopamine or right. endomorphin or one of those. Right. Like it's just, boof, boof. it's just put out when we're looking at photos of celebrities. It's the amazing. same drug that like, if you're like, oh, I'm safe and I'm at home, um, everything's okay. Isn't that mental? That is, that's mental. <laughs> so we're hierarchical uh, in, we are. in we nature. Are. Hey, are lobsters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is of course a, a Jordan Peterson yeah. uh, thing. Tell me what you like about Jordan Peterson. I've heard you talk about him a bit before. Well, I'm I, on the fence of Jordan. I, there's a lot of things I like about yeah. what he says, and then there's obviously the other things um, where I think, oh, maybe you've maybe you've come at this subject a little bit clumsy. Um, but generally, I feel I feel a lot of what he says um, I find very interesting. I like to think for myself. Uh, mm. about it and think well maybe i agree with that maybe i don't but mm. nevertheless i like to listen to him but my youtube is an absolute jordan peterson fanatic the algorithm is i can't watch i watch something and if i leave it to autoplay it just gives me another jordan peterson yeah it's he's riding my algorithm it's un in fact i've coined it right <laughs> day. there's someone there's someone i see at work all the time and, and her algorithm is the same right and mm. i and i saw her a couple of days and i go i, I got peterson which is, you know, you take your eye off the prize for five minutes and there he is on your YouTube. That's it. And you're like, fucking yeah. hell, he's here again. And my YouTube must think that my life is in a fucking wreck and I need him to tell me to fucking tidy my room. Yeah, you probably do. <laughs> right. Yeah, I probably do, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's like we're talking about what's real. And I think um, he's nothing if not real. That doesn't necessarily mean he's Right. Right. Yeah, and and that's and coming from uh, he's he's a sort of he's a renowned is he a psychoanalyst or psych, uh, psychologist? Are they the same thing? They're very similar, I think. But, Lecturer, but isn't he's it? if he spent his life trying to build people's or repair the self of in others, he must well, you'd hope would have a pretty good grasp of his own self. You'd hope so, wouldn't you? I think I was first attracted to him, to answer your question, when actually in 2008, for my, in my little sort of coaching industry, yeah. I wrote a white paper that was non-academic. I'm not an academic. What's right? a white paper? You know, just a, a report, you know, just right. a, 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 a couple of thousand foot, a uh, couple of thousand word report. Right. And it was about, um, it wasn't formal or academic or anything like that. It was kind of a free report, let's call it that. White paper's a little bit hopeful. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I'm there with Was my glasses on. Was that real James talking yeah, then? Yeah, me kind of dictating it. Yes, yeah. uh, take this down site. Um, but, uh, so this is 2008, and I, I was making a, a comment on the coaching industry. And on there's a, there's a, a kind of a branch of coaching and therapy called neuro-linguistic programming, NLP for short. Right. So you get a lot of 
in kind of therapeutic and coaching circles. There's a lot of people who've been NLP trained, okay? And it's a, it's a, a series of techniques and things to help you if you see excellence in somebody else, you can model it in themselves. And it's a set of tools and techniques to help you do that, right? Right. In short. And the way that industry is organized is very hierarchical, really hierarchical, to the point that really the only people that make any money in that industry are the ones at the top. Right. Okay? So there's an element of gatekeeping. Big time. Right. And so I wrote about that. And... The, my attraction to Jordan Peterson was purely confirmation bias. I'd love to say it was something way more kind of like inspiring. Right. But I hadn't, I hadn't heard anyone talking about hierarchies in, uh, you know, in industries like mine until he came along. Right. And I was like, oh, finally, someone is talking about it, you know. Um, and so I started paying him some attention. Similarly to you, I don't necessarily agree with everything he says, but I found it interesting to get a psychologist's take on what I had been doing as a layman. Do you know yeah. what I mean? As a, just a, as a coach myself. Right. Um, but I'd seen this thing. I'd described it in a very knockout, non-academic way, this how, you know, you tend to get very small, often very capable, um, as you say, gatekeepers uh, at the top. Yeah. And then ever increasing, but ever de decreasing levels of power control, you know, going down. So you get this kind of pyramid, really. Right. And, um, and I didn't like it. I didn't like what I was seeing. There were lots of NLP trainers and NLP coaches and NLP therapists who were all struggling to ever make a living. Right. And what they would do is they would just go back and try and train more. They thought, well, if I train more and spend more money and get another certificate, then I'll, yeah. I'll earn my... But they're, they're being, I don't want to use the word oppressed because it's it's got way more serious connotations in today's kind of modern conversations. But they can't win. But yeah, so they're being they're being kept at arm's length, I guess, by these They're being people. kept at a certain level. Right. And I don't they're even kept. know whether the people that create it are 100% aware of this. Right, okay. I think if I'm sort of the person that creates something with three initials, you know, and it's my new therapy. Yeah. And I go, well, would you like to be trained in it? Well, you can never be the source of this wondrous new tech, you know, mental technology. Right. You're always going to be a kind a of student. a subordinate, a student. Right. Yeah. And even attitudinally, I found that it kept a lot of these people at this kind of, they, they were always just following the leader. Right. You know? Yeah. And yet their marketplace were asking them to be the leaders in some ways, you know. And so that fascinated me. That behavior fascinated me. And then Jordan Peterson, my, my initial attraction to him was just, he was saying it in a way I'd never heard before. Right. As somebody who'd actually had an education. So what <laughs> they do is they create a sense of insecurity in the people that they've passed this knowledge on to. Almost like when, you know, in the in the old Kung Fu movies and stuff, like you teach them everything, but you don't teach, you, you teach them sort of 90% of what you know and the, mm. the next 10% is kept for when they get corrupt and you have to kick their ass. Yeah. It's a little bit, I guess, <laughs> I went off a bit then, didn't I? Um, I guess it's a little bit like that where, they, you know, they like you said, they can't... Five-point palm exploding heart technique. It yeah, is right. that. Yeah. yeah. So you can't, you can't give them everything that you knew because you created it and by yeah. that virtue, you are the, the top of that pyramid. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, it creates a sense of, oh, I'm not good enough. Mm. I must pay for more training or I mm. must buy your next book or I must attend your seminar every Which year. Which can be useful, right? Right. Like, so that can be 
Is it sycophantic? It, I think it can very easily be. Right. But if you want to master a subject, then then to a level, fine. But I think it's... And I suppose, again, this is where Peterson's work helped me understand was I thought that was purely uh, a construct of this industry that I work in, this personal development coaching industry. Yeah. And as it turned out, no, it's actually, it's a very human thing. It's in our biology. This is what the lobster's about, you know. Yeah. Is That's the, a very controversial analogy as well. He's gotten a bit of flack for that, which I don't have the the recall for right now but it's it's interesting i, th I do find it very interesting that you've worn the t-shirt because it's a it's an act of defense of that ideology well, I that, think. and it's a little bit of mocking right. of the i've got the t-shirt so i'm being i'm being <laughs> the i'm being the very thing that i'm warning against which is like not only do i subscribe to his youtube channel andy yeah but i've got the t-shirt and you haven't so i'm slightly higher up uh, the jordan peterson hierarchy i see yeah so i'm slightly more of a fan <laughs> And what, how? Because of this. Yeah. But the interesting thing is, you see, this is, it's still a metaphor for what happens in, in any of these kind of industries like I work in, where people will literally compare certificates. And they'll be like, oh, you're a practitioner of the five-point palm exploding heart technique. Right. I'm a master practitioner. Oh, and like, oh they you're a just master? create fucking titles yeah. themselves, right? Oh, you're a master? I'm a meta-master. Now, you may think I'm making this up. I'm not. That's there real. are literally ranks like that in various this reminds me of american psycho in the scene where he gets out his business card oh, right and they all get their scene. business cards out yeah and you can you hear that internal monologue with uh, with him when he goes oh my god look at it and it looks to the layman it looks almost exactly the same doesn't it it's the same thing foil embossing <laughs> <laughs> look at that off-white Oh my god! Vellum, vellum, double thread. <laughs> like, yeah, and it, he's sweating. Yeah, he's so annoyed. And it's, and it, and, but this is what it creates. Is yeah. maybe not to that that degree of you know being a you know some sort of narcissistic psychopathic serial killer, but it, I guess it breeds a certain level of one-upmanship, mm. low empathy, high uh, you know you know it must it must attract like CEOs. And corporate structures, like we're talking about corporate structures, they are weighted in the favour of the people that can sleep at night no matter what, right? And the ones that put themselves over everyone. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And do you find that your industry, when you said, what was that analogy? What was the, um, was NL, what was it? Um, NLP. NLP. Do you find that it only goes so far and then someone goes, you know what, fuck it, we can't win at this. I've created a new one. All, all hail me, and then, every, and then it all. Oh, oh this well, is the new that, land I, of I milk and honey. I encourage people to do that. Right. And what do you think that is? That a long game, or is that long sighted or short sighted? Hmm. I think people get to a point where they realise they're never going to. They're never going to climb any higher. Right. Right. And I think they either get the painful lesson, like you are, you are investing yourself in this methodology say or this set of techniques you're trying to learn um mainly for the status right chasing you know? status yeah, yeah they're chasing status um and i think that can be a really hard wake-up call for people i think part of what i do when i'm working with people is try and open their eyes to that early as early as possible right and encourage them you see i don't think it's bad to create 
something new. We were talking about this just before we got started about is there anything new? Yeah. Well, in therapy and coaching, not really. Right. You know, there's adaptations, there's new techniques, people come up with new approaches and angles to long-established psychological methods and psychotherapeutic approaches and all this kind of thing. But I think I think sometimes we don't need to do something new. I think I know for myself some of the best insights I've ever had. I kind of already would say, oh, I already knew that, but I'd never heard it that way before. Right. And I think sometimes some of the biggest eye-openers are like, oh, I never thought of that that way before. Right. You know, so I think sometimes just perspective shifts can be massively valuable. Right. So I'll encourage people to sort of like be like, but what do you think? Okay. You know, what do you think? And do you have an approach to this that could yeah. be different or novel? Or it doesn't have to be brand new, completely shiny. Right. Know. This is interesting. It's almost like you, a lot of that... Um, <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry. So it's a bit like that sort of, you know, you're looking over your mate's shoulder at school. And you're like, well, what's he put? You know, it's kind of, no, think for yourself. You know mm. I mean, where, where would you like to take this? Two things. Mirroring each other's body language. This is good. This is interesting. Oh, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, right on. We're equals, I think. Yeah. In this, in this psychological game. This is good. This is mutual respect. I like it. The other thing is your role is a bit like Batman and Joker. Because you need, you need that structure to be the way it is because you're providing the coaching to mm. better yourself. Mm. So it's strange, isn't it? Because you're trying to fight, push back against that as Batman. But, but, but Batman and Joker, I they need each that. other to exist. It's 100%. It's interesting. No, well, I mean, this is the thing. Ultimately, it'd be wonderful if we could all think for ourselves. Mm. There would be no personal development industry, yeah. which is premised on other people being there to offer you their wisdom and their help and their experiences and the things they've been exposed to, to offer those to you so that you might get something from it. Right. But if we could all get it from inside ourselves, there would be no industry, would there? Mm. It would just be like, no, I'm, I've got this. But I think that's no different than like the old... I, I sometimes think for us fake as it can be the personal development industry and the kind of the coaching industry even though sometimes it makes me wince with how cheesy it can be and motivational man i think at its best it's a bit like the old apprenticeship dynamic right you know where you'd learn yeah now there you wouldn't stay an apprentice for life it, like they right. knew when to be like yeah okay you you've learned now go and make the mistakes or, or make the mistakes while you're doing that and now it's like you can only now um, adapt it and put your own, you know, take on whatever it is you're trying to you're master once you've learned the basics. Right. And I think what sometimes teachers, especially if they're profiting from it, do is they try and extend that apprenticeship for as long as possible. I see. Because right. if I get paid while you're my apprentice... Like the slow builder. Yeah. yeah. Like if I get paid while you're my apprentice... Mm -hmm by you to be my apprentice, then why wouldn't I keep you as an apprentice? That's the thing I fight against. Right. It's fascinating. So tell me, tell me what, on, if you can be your, <clears throat> your off-white foil embossed business card, what's it saying on it? What, what is the? It would say James Lavers, 
and nothing else. It would all be on vellum. And, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it would probably just say business coach. Yeah. Which is usually what I'll, how I'll describe my job to people. Um, and I'm a trainer as well. So I run an online training company. Right. So it's an online trainer and business coach. Which is lazy uh, name of my company is called Lazy, Lazy Coach. Coach. Yeah. So tell me how you get into this because we've we've started the we've started the podcast real heavy on the you know we're in there and in the, we're talking about it. But now I want to get to you know I want to bring people in to the to the you know how how do you get your start? Where where do you begin with this? You know now you're sat. I think I re, I saw on your Instagram that it's ten years. Is it ten years? since I've been doing in my business. Because there's an old picture of you and then there's a new picture of you and you're kind of looking uh, at each other, aren't you? Mirror, yeah, like, no, my, I've been doing what I do online now. Uh, this is my 17th year. 17. 17th year. Right. That, that particular image you were talking about was about a particular event that I ran 10 years apart. I see. So we had a kind of a 10-year anniversary last year. Okay, and what event was this? It's Lazy Coach Live. Okay, yeah. just tell me about, right, is Lazy Coach the beginning of how you start in this industry? No. Or was there a couple of hurdles and you, you, you try a few things and then you maybe you get that, like we, we were saying, you, you, you look around and you go, you know what, you can't win at this game. It's been my entire adult life. Right, okay. So where, where does it begin? Where do we go? Um, back to when I was about 16, 17. Right. So I was... Um, uh, left home at 17 and I was a terrible blusher right okay really bad blushing just just anything would make you really bad really and that's the <clears throat> that's usually the years that we want to be meeting girls and having a nice time and stuff like that not in your shell yeah right I was totally in my shell okay and what, so, why was that what, what did you I think know. that was was school difficult no 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 I was usually you know, I had a good circle of friends, really good, close circle of friends. Right. My dad was locally famous. Right. So he was a TV presenter in the Anglia region when ITV was a localized thing and they would have anchor men and women that would come up between programs and go coming up next. Right. And it wasn't voiceover, it was InVision. Right. My father was an InVision anchor man for Anglia TV. And so he was recognized around town. I became aware of this realness at a young age uh, i see right yeah my 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 dad's an actor and um i was very aware that my dad was just my dad you know but around town people would come up to him and go oh, you're mr midnight he had the through the night i mean it was literally like he was a bit like the alan partridge character he had the right. through the night slot on anglia tv yeah uh, which is in Norwich. So it's kind of like minor celebrity, I guess. Or yeah, was minor it, or, celebrity. Or was it quite big in that? For, for Norwich, right, small city, right. big. Right? Okay. Like he was recognised all the time and people would ask him for his autograph when we were out shopping <laughs> and stuff like that. And so he was like the local celebrity. Yeah. You know. And what I noticed was, number one, I noticed the masks that my dad would put on to speak to people. Uh, so he wasn't right. just completely normal. He would he would put on the... yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. Which I was aware of. That's all I can say is I, I was very aware of that when that started happening, um, and I was very aware that he was always very kind to people and gave them his time and all those kind of things. So I was sort of a bit more aware of that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, fake versus real, and uh, and something in between those, which I don't know what you'd call that, but there is something in between. There is, I think, where you are performing for people, but you're performing as you. 
I don't know how else to describe it. So you're still you, but you're kind of... You're showing up as the best version of yourself. Yeah, but deliberately. Just before that point where it, where it passes over into... Affectation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was definitely something. I'm not sure what you call that, because right. it's not fake, but it's also, it's not just, well, here I am, what's it's up? It's just a heightened version of yourself, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I was very aware of that growing up, and... Um, I think I did get, I never got physically bullied or anything like that, but um, I was always very confident, very confident. Um, Dad did a good job of sort of like stand up straight with his shoulders back and all that kind of thing. Did you ever get, um, are you a man or a mouse? No. Oh, no. That was no. What, one from my childhood. Well, are you a man or a mouse? Really? Yeah. Which man, you're showing them now, aren't wouldn't you? Wouldn't fly um, <laughs> in today's uh, world. You know what I mean? Like, that's toxic masculinity, Dad. Yeah. But actually, um, mice are really resourceful. <laughs> <laughs> they're really, they're much cleverer than you think, Dad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that, yeah, a little bit of that would, would be coming out. But, yeah. but then it's kind of like, I guess it's when you see, you know, your kid and they're just being a bit dramatic about something. It's just kind of, a, it's, I guess it's a mechanism of being like, yeah, you Deal know, with it. come on, man. Yeah. Deal with it a bit. Yeah, deal with it. So he, he instilled some good... I think not consciously, but right. just by him being him. He would always walk with his head up. He didn't, he, didn't hide his, he didn't hide his celebrity. Right. Um, and as, as, as minimal and local as that was, he would, you know, he always wore a jacket. He always wore a shirt and tie. So he was aware. He was aware. Yeah. He was aware that when he leaves the house... There is no incognito. What I didn't realise is, is that that's the bit that I think I unconsciously modelled. It's just, yeah, if you're walking around, so I'm like a, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17-year-old walking around with my head held high, feeling confident about myself and life. And what I didn't really, what I didn't count on was that some people wouldn't like that. Right, yeah, yeah. You know. Because they see power mm. that they don't see in themselves. Like and a self-power. Like a, they see an empowerment. Yeah, they, yeah. Empower, yeah. They see yeah. A, they see something in you, a security in you, an okayness with yourself mm. that they don't possess, and they want to they want to crush that and and prod well, it. That maybe they want to turn it into reduce what? you to their level. Yeah, I think in some cases that's really interesting the way you put that. Yeah, they, they see an empowerment. And they're, they maybe don't feel empowered. So they're like, well, actually, I want you to feel what I'm feeling. Yeah. And that's almost what I felt. Because was, they don't have the courage to, to yeah. lift themselves up so they can drag you yeah. down to them. So some of them did that and it worked. Right. So I ended up flipping and becoming very self-aware, uh, very self-conscious right. and very sort of like, oh, am I, am I being okay, you know, and all this kind of thing. So around 16, I started really getting embarrassed really easily. Right. Which really is just a process of going inside your head and going, how do I look? Is what I'm saying, you know. It's an intense yeah, the scrutiny, more, isn't exactly, it? Exactly. The more you turn the spotlight inwards rather than giving somebody else your attention. On a micro level as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I got this terrible, terrible blushing. Right. right. And so I started skipping school. I moved out at 17, so I had my own place. So I just wouldn't go into school. Right. So you still had enough of that about you to get your own place at 17. Well, dad left for work in London. We were right. living in Norwich and a, an opportunity came up for him in London. They, they moved and I was in the middle of my A-level, so I stayed. Right, okay. So, yeah. so it, didn't, it wasn't born of a... 
got to get out of here. I'm no. going to fly the nest now. No, it was like, you've got to have your own place. Right. But as it turned out, I loved it. Right. Time to shit or get off the potty. Yeah, 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 right. exactly. Yeah. yeah. But it was really, uh, I loved it. I just didn't love how I felt when I was at school. And the it got really bad. Like it got really bad. So I was, I was skipping school because I was blushing so much. If I went into school, went into class and was asked a question. So I grew my hair long so I could hide behind it. All these things. It was miserable. Right. Were you listening to the Smiths at this time as well? <laughs> no, I was listening worse. I was listening to, oh, what's the song that goes? Hey, 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 oh, hey, hey, hey. What's that song? Oh, man, I don't, oh. Return to Innocence by... Call in. Call in. Someone, we've got young Jamie Return here. to innocence, whatever that song is. Right. Whoever that's by. That I sounds quite that. chipper, that. No, it was very melancholy. It right. was like, the, you know, all the Native Americans are dying kind of music. Do you oh, know what I mean? It was okay. sort of like. It was a protest song. Yeah. Right. It's, Enigma. Right. Return to innocence. That's it. Okay. Thank you. The, so I was listening to that kind of stuff and just bewailing the, you know, the, the death of these beautiful, proud, majestic people and feeling, you know. But um, so it was really bad. Now, the, the person that sort of saved saved me, as it were, was my brother, who's two and a half years older than me and uh, still like one of my best friends in the world. And um, he was pulling all the girls. Right. Was very, very confident man. Yeah. And I was always like, why is he so confident? As it turned out, I would always see him on here? like, what's going because on? Because he's so close to you, yeah. like, genetically. Exactly. You're in the, the same hell. house. Right. Why is there? Yeah, this there like, this what's going on? Yeah, right. So I would always see him with one of these weird books. Now, this is about 1993. Yeah. Okay, here in the UK. 93, one. 94. And <laughs> it was... Personal development wasn't huge now. Like now right. you walk into a Waterstones or a bookstore here. It's all that. You'll see smart thinking. You'll see spiritual development. You know, you'll see all these books. That, it, that wasn't it's so much a thing. industry now, right? Yeah, it wasn't a thing in the UK then. Right. It probably was in the US then, but it wasn't here. Right. Not for, it was starting. It was just starting. My brother would get these books imported like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Right. And I'd be like, my 19-year-old brother is reading these really weird book like what is this and he'd get another book called like unlimited power and i'd be like this is weird right you know anyway it got really desperate he'd already moved out and had his own place so i went round to his uh, flat one day and i was just like you got to help me because this new girl had started at school and i was like i've got to be able to speak to this girl right without I've got the, to be. Uh, it's without, like the south park movie whenever whenever wendy comes to speak to stan he just fucking vomits all over the floor Totally. Yeah. Like hey, Stan. Yeah. Right. My face would just burst and blood would fly everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. <It's> yeah. Like <laughs> volcano head. <laughs> Except it's not lava, it's blood. Um, An embarrassment. That's what it felt like. Right. Like, that's how bad it felt. So it really, would, would you feel like your temples? I would feel like, like I was going throbbing. to explode. Wow. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, um, and not in a good way. Right. Like in a head exploding way. So... I went to my brother and I was like, please, can you help me? Is any of this stuff you're reading going to help me? Like, yeah. I don't get it. I don't it's get it. Look, it's all weird, but I don't care. I'll try anything at this point. Right. right. So I tried going into school drunk. I tried going into school high. I tried, like, none of it had worked. Right. So he was like, he handed me this big 
like A3 sized plastic case with a cheesy looking American on the cover with a parting, massive fake white smile. And he handed me this. And it was back in the day where it was a clamshell case. And when I opened it, there were six audio cassettes in it. Oh, okay. Yeah, right? I know the kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like these bit, and I was like, what is it? And he was just like, just listen to them. Just right. listen to it. And I was like, all right, all right. So I went back to my flat, put them on. I was literally up all night listening to them. It was the abridged version of a book called Unlimited Power, which I just right. referenced. I think I've heard this talked about. Do you know Patrick Bet David? No. no. Yeah, Patrick Bet David from Valuetainment. Okay. He does a lot of the entrepreneurial talks, seminars, big in the game, interviewed LeBron. And uh, is it LeBron who died? Yeah. His last interview. I, I, I'll, um, I'll send you a link after. Oh, but I, he he's a very big reader in books like this he's, he's very well read he, the guy's a powerhouse he's mm. the kind of guy that hangs out in like in your worlds and is yeah. just uh, unstoppable but he i think he's mentioned unlimited power a few times yeah he is very quick to say this book it's, it's honestly changed my life right changed my life so it wasn't the book it was the abridged audio version of the book before audible and all that kind right. of stuff and it was cassettes you know <laughs> take them out and I listened to it all night. Right. And I, it was literally like that scene in Spider-Man 3 where Tobey Maguire comes out of the bar like dancing. <laughs> the next day I yeah. went into school and it was just like, oh, I'm changed. Hey, ladies. And I never blushed again. Really? Never blushed again. <laughs> I love that. That is such, that is like the, um, imagine if this was an infomercial for your, for, well, the, for the book. The, the plot thickens. I listened to the book and I went in, and I, my life changed from that day. Okay. I've never been the same. It's, it's powerful, that. That is powerful. It really did. It really it's did. Never blushed again. Right. Never blushed again. And um, I remember thinking to myself, this person I've never met, how kind they were to help me. And I just got this thought in my head. I was like, this person doesn't even know me and they've just, they've just really helped me. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, and yeah. I got this weird idea in my head. I thought to myself, well, one day I want to get the chance to thank him and give back to him. Right. That was the thought I had. And the, the name of the guy is Anthony Robbins. He right. wrote Unlimited Power. Is this now who we know as Tony Robbins? Tony Robbins. The, the mega... The mega... Um, father of motivation yeah total i was gonna ask you what you think of him he's i don't know a lot but i see a lot of his promo stuff yeah and it's and it is it's the big teeth yep. the big white teeth yeah, yeah. and it's yeah it's it's selling a dream isn't it it is but all right but let's i don't know enough to to about him really to go in on him but i was going to see what you thought about well i didn't know much about him other than right. whatever i'd listened to had helped me and i was like that's amazing okay. i just felt so thankful and i thought to myself I'm, I got more than just an idea. I got a res resolution in my head and I thought to myself, I'm going to help him back Right. in return. I'm going to help him. I have no idea. I'm a 17 year old kid trying to finish his A-levels, but one day, and I made this image in my hand, Andy, of him thanking me and going, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I don't know why. I just, I had this idea that right. he would one day be shaking my hand and going, thank you to me. Oh. And I would be going, you're welcome. You you stopped me blushing. You wanted to be on So a, you're welcome. Right, so you wanted that. I wanted to help him back. Right. This, per, this person I right. didn't know would just But you wanted me. to be, a, you wanted to be equal to him as well. It what The significance at the time didn't matter. Right. It wasn't about the significance at that age. It was just, oh, so, I want to help him in right. return. That's, like reciprocate. It's really, that's really beautiful. There's a certain element of naivety to that, isn't there? Because he's making money. 
He's this American right. megastar yeah, right. who's just, uh, he, he doesn't know me. I'm just right. some kid in Norwich. That's the power of it, right? Can you imagine the fans that Hollywood actors get? That must be fanatical. Imagine the people that love him. Well, I was fanatical. Right. Like, I was like, I can't believe that overnight he's helped me see how I'm blushing and given me some techniques to change that. Right. Forever. Right. And I was like, I have to, he's going to be thanking me in return. It sounds like day. the ultimate road trip movie premise, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, sort of does. <laughs> the road to Robbins. <laughs> yeah. So then I moved after I finished my A levels, moved to London. Yeah. Uh, moved in with my brother. Um, oh, hang on. What was the conversation like with your brother once you listened to them? I was like, thank Did you, you come so back much. to the house? Have you still I was got just the like, tapes? Thank you so now? much. Well, no, I gave them back to him. Oh, right. He was like, I want them back. <laughs> right. But like, has he still got them? Yeah. What, he's still got the cassette tape? Oh, for sure. Have yeah. you got a copy of the cassette tape? No. He's got the very ones that I listen to, though. He's got the OGs. He's got the OGs. I'm, I'm glad they're still yeah. in the family. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, totally. It's, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And um, so after I finish my A-levels, Norwich doesn't have a lot to offer unless you want to work in a mustard factory or <laughs> for an insurance company, right? Right. So I was like, I'm moving to London. Right. And... Um, I was writing all these things in my journal. I'm not a big journaler, but at the time I was. And I've got my 1994 journal, I think it is. And I'm going, I'm going to go and move in with my brother. I'm going to be down the line. I'm going to be making films that change people's lives. Right. I was so inspired. I was so enthused by this tape set and what it had done to me. Yeah. I was just filled with possibility, right? Yeah. I'd fallen asleep in my English A-level exam, so I got an N for English. I'd got a classical civilization A-level and an art A-level. So I didn't really have much academically to go on, but I thought, screw it, I'm going to find my fortune in London, right? So I right. moved to London. My brother had already left. Okay. And so I followed him like... So you felt you felt like, well, he can do it. I, he'd sort, yeah, he's sort of laying there. Felt the call, man. Yeah, felt the call, but also I guess you've got that support network there in London, haven't you? So mm. he's kind of enabling you to, to spread... Right, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. yeah, bro went and kind of lay the, the roots down yeah for us you know That's and great. then we got a place in west london and i was at the time i was journaling and i was saying like you know i was saying like i'm gonna make films that change people's lives i didn't i wasn't a filmmaker i didn't know what i was writing but it's it's weird it's magical to me how it panned out right right so i was writing i'm gonna be making films that will change people's lives and make them feel good and all this kind of thing Got a job selling stationery. <laughs> I was literally the Tim character in the office. Right. I was just like, I don't really want to be doing this, but I'm going to use my enthusiasm, my passion. I'm going to sell reams of A4 and yeah. photocopiers and stuff like that. I did that for a few months. And then a space opened up at a brand new TV shopping channel in Battersea called QVC. Oh, Never bought anything from QVC, but it is some of the most fascinating TV to watch. Yeah. The hosts on that show are unbelievable. Just the just they're just like the the, the it's cra car crash TV at the best of times, isn't it? A lot of the time, and I I just love how they they can sell you anything. It's they're just brilliant. They're a particular breed, aren't they? Of TV. Well, I became one of them. Yes. Oh, you a QVC guy? Were you a QVC? I was a producer. Oh, oh that's, that's amazing. So I, so a, a, a space. I didn't know this. Yeah. So, so a space opened up at QVC to be what was at the time called a product coordinator, and all that meant was 
much in the way that you and I are sitting here, the hosts on QVC, they'll talk about a product for five minutes and then they'll talk about another product. And somebody, when they're on a still shot, has to run in and hand the next product to the presenter, a bit like this glass of water. Right. And then the camera's cut back and they go, okay, so next we're going to be talking about this wonderful <laughs> glass of water. And right. You know what? You ever feel thirsty during the day? You know, and all this kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and then, <laughs> you ever felt really parched and got a bit of a headache and you know you need to just drink some water? Well, today for just nineteen ninety nine, <laughs> you can buy this glass of water. And um, so I, I, I got a job being the person who had to run in and put the next product in the presenter's hand. That right. was the first job I got at QVC. And that, that sort of took me studio side and sort of seeing how it all worked. And then over the ensuing years, I worked my way up to producer. Right. It took, took a while, took like four or five years to get there. Um, and so then I was, you know, the organizer of the show and sat in the dark room in the gallery with the, like we've got now the headphones and the microphone. You were God. I was God. QVC God. Oh, the power was so, so enticing. Close up on the watch. Yeah. Close up on the watch. Power, yeah, yeah. Power well, that's the director. Right. So oh, it's the okay. producer. Right. I okay. would be saying this right. into the presenter's ears. Oh. So I had in front of me, Andy, right? I had like right. a computer screen. Okay. And it was like a um, ECG monitor. Right. right. So it was like going like this. But it was it was plugged into the call center. So we could see when what the presenter was saying, if it made people pick up the phones, it would oh go like this. Oh, my God. So I could say to the presenter... Um, talk about the sparkle on the diamond again, right? I could say that, and the presenter would hear it and go, "But just look at that sparkle, right?" So, and literally, we could see. Oh, that's working. I'd say, "Talk more about the sparkle. Talk more about the sparkle." This Sounds kind of like stuff. phone sex with products. It really was. Tell me more it's, about it's the really sparkle. Yeah. Sparkle more. That's it. That's it. Don't talk about the handle. <laughs> oh, it that's was, really doing it. It was so much power. It was so, and so I could see real time right. what was making people buy at home. The words that would make people buy, I would see real time the, the, the way in which a product was sold. So I became a really good salesperson. Like I love Really, this. really good. This is amazing. So years of doing that, I, I mean, I was... The idea to me at the time that you could influence somebody at a distance. So... I was telling the presenter what to say and the presenter was influencing somebody. Doris sat in her sofa hundreds of miles away. Right. To not just watch the telly. You like go, most well, of us. Good. That's uh, nice. Well, most of us at the time, mid-90s, right? If you watch telly, it's like, how do you watch telly? It would just be like that. Right. Right. Just sat no there. No phone. Yeah. No just phone. Gormless. Just like, yeah. didn't turn the channel. And it suddenly struck me what we were actually getting people to do was to be like sit up grab their phone grab their wallet and buy the thing on the telly it's a lot of effort right to get up find your purse yeah. get in the purse get your tussle is it this is it the debit or the credit card this time go to the phone it's a big wait deal. in the queue and then wait five to seven working days to receive it right to have it delivered because it wasn't next day delivery back then it's the first incarnation of impulse buying yes. isn't it but you see that was as fascinating to me as a stranger on a tape set just a year or two before right. saying, stand up and walk around your living room like you've got a cape on your back and you might feel a bit better, right? And right. it worked. Yeah. You know, that was as it, I, I became enamored by that influencing people far away. Right. It, and it's always, it's, it's remained a, a passion of mine to, right. this, to this day. I love, I do, I Which love Which is what that. you're doing now, right? 
I guess so. Yeah. I, I love that idea. I love that parallel that, that you're seeing with, with the yeah. tape. And also, I just want to add, when I used to say to people, like, walk, walk with purpose. Like, walk like mm. you've got somewhere to be. Even if you've got nowhere to be, people, if people think that you're going somewhere, it, that does something. Yeah. And there's something about the brain chemistry they've figured out. I say they, who knows? These smart people that we uh, rely on. That when you when you change your you know this I'm telling I'm you know telling you what you know probably but when you change your posture, it affects your brain chemistry. If you if you act, it's fake it till you make it, isn't it? But mm. if you and they've figured out that if you even if you act confident and you and you smile, within seconds your brain chemistry changes yeah. to mirror what you're what you're doing. Well, like it's, it's very hard to be depressed if you look up and smile, right? Like they've shown that. I mean, if if you're really sad and you're crying, yeah. where do we normally look when we're crying? We normally look down, yeah, down and to the right, you know. And we usually, you know, it's very hard to cry looking up with a smile on your face, yeah. Which I know sounds really obvious, but it's what you're talking about, you know. The the brain chemistry gets sort of mainlined, yeah. And it's yes, it's it's kind of it's hacks, isn't it? It's yeah. psychological hacks yeah. to so manipulate. So I learned all the psychological hacks to right. manipulate somebody watching the telly mm -hmm. to not just watch passively like they do every other program, yeah. but to sit up, become engaged. And I'd learn every word to get a presenter to say. Right. And I had the means with the microphone to say it to them. It's power. So you know those little earpieces the yeah. presenters have got? They'd have those and I would be telling them exactly what to say. Right. And people are picking up their phones and buying. And to me, that was intoxicating. Right. I imagine... It is. It really is. And I was young. I mean, I was getting results. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was a producer at, uh, let me think, 1999. So I was 22, 23 when I became producer. So I was probably a little bit too young for that level of power. Right. To be honest. But, um, but I got good at it. And our brains are, we're wired to, to seek patterns, aren't we? Mm. And so it just makes sense that, you know, you're looking at that. That sort of almost like a what? What do they measure earthquakes on? What's the thing? Yeah, like a size of my. Well, what's the earthquake? Richter, Richter. Richter, the Richter thing, Richter scale, or you know, you're watching those surges in. Yeah, incredible. Talk me through some of the keywords. What the, what would you say the top five were that that really really got the audience off? Do you know what? It's often the things I always used to think it would be these weird sort of semi hypnotic patterns, like if by now you realize that you want, you know, and all these kind of weird right. things. But as it turns out, the human brain responds really well to very simple things said repeatedly. Right. So when you say, if I'm holding, let's say I've got a ring on here for those that can't see, and I've just taken it off my finger, and I'm holding it at nearly my face height. Right. Now, if I say to you, if I firstly look at it, and then I point to it and I go, just look at that. Just look at that. Just look at that. It's very hard for you to not look at that. It's hypnotic. Yes. Yeah. And so what we would do is we would work, like you just said, we would work with really simple patterns of human behavior right. to fixate attention Yeah. and to get people to imagine. So say, imagine the next time you're out and you're paying for something. You're selling the house. Right. You're, you're an estate yeah, right. agent. You're selling the dream. So you're out of the shop or the cafe right. the next time you're out. And somebody notices a ring like this because they will notice this ring on you, won't they? I love it. And they'll be like, oh, where did you get that ring? And you know that little buzz you get when somebody notices you? 
it's intoxicating, isn't it? When somebody is like, oh, yeah. where did you get that? It, it kind of, you, you feel your feathers ruffle a mm. little bit, right? Yeah, peacocking. You're going to get this, you're going to get this feeling when you put the ring right. on. Yeah, yeah. Now, don't you want to just get this home and try it on? <laughs> why don't you get it home and try it on? <laughs> I want to buy the ring and I'm but aware what, but, of what's going on. <laughs> but why don't you get it home and just try it on? You could take it home and try it on. Try it on. Get it home. Pick up the phone right now. Get this home and try it on. So oftentimes, <laughs> so oftentimes what we would do is we would just create these little scenarios for right. people. Just yeah. little scenarios. Like um, I actually now teach this in my online training company. You know, we call it scenario-based selling where you just, you think of a little situation where somebody might, because the, the great thing about this ring, those that are listening won't know this, but there's a, like a little slider on it. So it's like a little anxiety ring. You can kind of spin it around and play with it. Right. right. Little little player there. So the great thing is when you're thinking, if you're a great thinker, you might just spin it around. Or if you're a bit worried, you can spin it around. And so what we might do is I might get somebody to fixate on that. And I might just say, you know, that's the kind of thing that's going to get noticed, isn't it? You know, people are going to ask about that. And for you, it's going to be a little thing. Yeah, and exactly, right? So you just... I love this. We'd, we'll create a little scenario that's very reasonable. We won't right. say, oh my God, this is going to get the attention of kings and queens. Or, right. That's not believable. We'll just talk about how... You're talking to the layman. Do you right. ever find yourself fiddling and maybe you bite your nails? I know I bite my nails, but I haven't been biting my nails so much since I've had this ring because right. rather than putting my nails in my mouth... I just find I can fiddle with the ring instead. Yeah. That's a little scenario. So yeah. you'll you'll go there with me. It's easy. Oh yeah, I do. You know, I always play with my beard or I'm always twisting my hair. Now I can do that and it's sort of a bit more comforting. Yes. And so you just do a little scenario and then you use very simple repetitive language yeah. to get somebody to be like, "Oh yeah, okay." Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Take my money. So I got really good at that. Like really Sounds like good. it. I almost to the point where um I, I went freelance, so I stopped being a sort of a staffer at QVC in the early 2000s, and I went client-side. So I started working with some of the big companies. They would have come on, companies like Sony and Nintendo and Acer and all these, a lot of tech companies would come on um, to put their products on QVC. Right. Like, it wasn't just TAT. It, to begin with, it was TAT. In the very, in like the mid-early 90s, it, they, they didn't have a big, product range and people thought it was you know buying from the telly is a bit naff right but as the years went by they attracted huge brands so now qvc one of the largest electronic retailers in the world right they stock some of the best brands right you know when i said car crash tv i'm it's clearly not i'm gonna did you no um i want to retract that because (laughs) because I wasn't aware of just how sophisticated what, what mm. the, you know what was happening there, but I've remember, seen a lot of the the bloopers. We oh, could drop the knife. Oh, the I've bloopers the are thing. great. That's great TV. But we could see whether it was working as well. Right now, what I love about that is it meant you weren't just you weren't going blind. Right, right. So we weren't doing it and hoping. So I would know that. Oh, if we if we gave that little scenario about the little fiddly thing, did that work? Like, are people buying based on that? If they weren't, we'd be like. Change tag. Let's talk about something else. Right. Interesting. Let's talk about silver. So you can be reactive. Yes. And you're getting results in real time. Real time. And who's... Argos aren't getting that, are they? No. At that time. Who's getting those... You're getting real Seconds. time... Seconds. ...feedback. So it teaches you... It's blowing you. my mind. And it's, yeah. And it's 
what is how old is that now? Twenty plus years old. QVC ninety three in the UK. They've right. been obviously when when with the Reagan administration, he lifted the airtime um, limits for advertising in the, on US television. So that's right. when in the the infomercial. Yeah, in right. the early eighties, late seventies, early eighties, with especially when Reagan came in, that was when really shopping telly took off, and then it right. came over to the UK. I'd say about ten years later, they're about ten years behind. You right. Know. Uh, but it was so powerful. I went client side, and um, I remember one day I was representing a, a company called Arcos. Right. So I would start to train these company spokespeople that they were putting on air. I wasn't a trainer. I'd not done any training to be a trainer. I just, right. They were just like, tell us, here's our spokesperson yeah. who's going to be going on QVC to talk about the MP3 player, yeah. teach them to sell it well on air. So I would. Right. And one day... Uh, Tony Limerick, who was the MD of, of Arcos in Europe, who went on TV. So he was a bit of a kind of a Steve Jobs type. He fancied himself a bit of a Steve Jobs. So he wanted right. to go on air and, and sell these products. Okay. He's a lovely man. And um, one day he went, look, I can't, I've got to be somewhere else. We need somebody else to go on air to sell this stuff. Will you go on air? And I was like, Ooh. I'd always been behind the scenes, right? So I'd never right. gone on air and tested it myself and be a presenter. And it was for a product where there was about 750 grand's worth of stock to sell in one day. So on QVC, you have one product a day that is like the real special product. Right, okay. It's called the TSV, the Today's Special Value. Right, and super it's like the, the day. best price. Yeah, yeah, it's like right. the, the mega product. And I went, gulp. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Cool. And we sold it out. So, and I, I basically put to work everything that I'd done behind the scenes, but I was the person in front of the camera. Right. So Did that, you surprise yourself? With, yeah. Like, you'd be like, wow, that was... Yeah, easy. I was like, ooh. Right. Anyway, What, what so, did your dad say? It was interesting because dad, when I was a producer, you remember I said earlier that dad moved down to London for an opportunity, mm. was to be a presenter on QVC. Oh, oh. Why did you miss that out? That's well, I don't think big, I did consciously. That's a big part of the story, yeah. isn't it? Right. So I think part of the reason I worked so hard and I climbed so hard is I was so conscious of nepotism and not getting a, right. you know, not being like, oh, you're Paul Laver's the presenter's son. Yeah. You know, I worked extra hard. You right. Know? Yeah, yeah. Because you're like, no, I'm not here on my name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really right. wanted to get good at what I did. Really wanted to get good at what I did. So I, I, I had this great working relationship with my dad where I was a producer, he was a presenter. I can't believe you missed this out. Mm. Right, okay, interesting. So you'd be like, that's great, dad. Tell him about the... Uh... But it's also, it goes back to what I was saying about this apprenticeship thing because dad had been there a few years by the, before I'd gone to work at QVC. Right. And um, it really was like an apprenticeship. Okay. Like working with my dad. Like we hadn't been, I wouldn't say that me and my dad were close in a father-son way. Right. Because I'm one of five siblings. Like I've got three sisters, I've got an older brother. There were a lot of us. Yeah. And, um, you know, dad had always worked. So we weren't particularly close in that way. You know, yeah. he's just my dad. I don't know, you know. Uh, but we got really close through work. Right. And it was very much like an apprenticeship, even though he did a different job than me. He was he was a great guiding light in that way. Was that something you'd always kind of wanted, or was it something you didn't know you wanted until it happened? Him or me? 
uh, the relationship, the, the the flourishing, you know, the 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 bond, the bonding. I think. I think it it came easiest to us through work. Right. So having a good relationship just happened. It's almost like work was the vehicle okay. to bring us together. Right. And I was going to ask you earlier, I didn't want to get too sort of like psychologists like cracking you open and Sorry. all that shit. But like, you've grown up, you've watched your dad be this famous guy all around town, right. smooth talk and everything like that. And then the blushing thing happens. Do you think that a part of, a part of that is like a pressure mm. because you're his son and yeah. there's a, you and also, everyone too loved much that. at him, and 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 seeing seeing things that weren't in you that were in him, and, and questioning why they weren't there yet. Yeah. But it's because 100%. he's a fucking adult. But also, he was very. <laughs> do you remember I said earlier, like he was very charismatic, right? And he always had that good being his best self. Yeah. Everybody who worked with my dad loved my dad. Right. So when we lived in the Anglia region, when we lived in Norwich, everyone loved him. Yeah. Like I said, that stopped him in the street. Very charismatic man. And so I was very aware of not wanting to be in his shadow my whole life. Right. So number one, that was why I was like, I don't want to be a presenter. Right. But I kind of handled that when I did that thing where I went on air. Yeah. But prior to that, I was like, I don't want to be on camera then. If I'm going to get good, it's going to be for my own thing. So I'm not just like a bit like Will Smith's son. Do you know what I mean? Where you're like... Jaden. Yeah. He had a bit of a rocky bit. He's doing all right at the moment. He's doing a, a vegan kitchen where homeless right. people can eat for free. Okay. I'm a little cynical about, but from an acting perspective, oh right, yeah. right. So I, I didn't you meant his his dumbass <laughs> tweets. Sorry, <laughs> his stupid. I just tweets. didn't want to be like a mini dad, right? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Where yeah. it's just like you're nearly as good as him, but not really. Yeah, because you know? it's it's it, that's a competition that you can win in the eyes of others, mm. but you, you, it's like almost biologically imprinted in us to yeah. you're not going to do that yeah. which i think is and i'd like to explore this i've asked some people as well um probably while at work probably not the best place to do it it's like how did you feel is your dad still with us mm. right so i've asked people who's who've had sort of powerful or like big character sort of fathers you mm. know how did you feel when your dad died mm. did you suddenly did you suddenly move up into that space did you suddenly feel I'm the man now. Mm. Is there is there a one final part of your of our development where when our father dies, you you become that thing, or is mm. there always going to be that level of can't quite hit it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? I think that's an interesting one. My dad's still alive, so I don't, I, I don't know. But yeah, uh, but we're we're doing very different paths. Anyway, also, I've got my older brother. I think my older right. brother bears that burden more than I do. In right. many ways, I think I've got a free pass because okay. I'm like the second You're the Prince son. Harry. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I'm the right. second son. I can just leave for America if yeah. I want. To. Right. Okay. Yeah. You know, I don't think there is that. And I have kind of spoken to my brother about that. I've spoken to my brother about the idea of like, you know, are you the kind of the next in line i think he right. feels that the patriarch yeah i think he feels that a little more you know i would like to explore i don't know why i want to explore that perhaps i'm looking for something myself but well i definitely didn't want to be in his shadow right maybe even subconsciously that's why i held back on saying it who knows Possibly. because i was like i don't want to turn the attention to him right i'm telling my story my maybe story. i don't right. know Possibly. it's interesting yeah. Maybe you'll get it if you listen yeah. to his back. Let's not talk about him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so you presented on QVC. Yeah. And, and what did your dad say? Oh, you, you did a really good job there. Yeah. Right. He'd always be very supportive. Cool. But not overly so. He wasn't like, yeah, oh, wow, you're carrying on the family line. It was not like, like that. Like a stage mum. But yeah, but he was 
supportive. Yeah. Let's say he was supportive. Um, in 2003, I got a call from the liaison who would book me as a freelancer, as a producer, because I was still producing. Right. So I'd go on air for some brands and I would produce as well. And I got the call from my liaison at QVC that would book me and she said, will you come in um, for a shift as a producer? And I said, sure. And the night that I went in, there was an American motivational speaker uh, who was going to be presenting his products on QVC. I felt this coming. Yeah. But, and, and I almost blurted it out earlier and I was like, no, there's, uh, there's prestige to this that I don't want to ruin, right? <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm, I'm so glad that we're here. Right. Yeah. So it's Tony Robbins. So he's on no air. No shit. <laughs> right. Surprise, surprise. Um, he had been in town for four. Sh- he was due to do four shows. He'd done three of them. And his first three shows had averaged. They'd done okay, but not by Tony Robbins and QVC standards. They hadn't done that well. Right. So when I went in, when I got in for my shift, there was one show left for him to do. And I was going to be producing that show. And I, all I thought was, I'm going to do, uh, we're going to have the best show. We're going to do it's it. It's going to make the most money. He is going to be thankful because I have dreamt of this. At this point, 2003, I'd, I'd been changed in 93, 94. Like this was literally 10 years later. And I, I felt such a, you know, Satori instant awakening kind of tingle down the spine moment. Of, yeah. This is a chance for me to do the thing that I had been imagining my whole, for the last decade. And do you feel like maybe subconsciously, oh, that's, that's too broad of a question to subconsciously say that you positioned, positioned yourself in, in that place for that. And that's too much. It's too, it's, that's far too, far too, uh, too big a question. But did you feel sort of a sense of destiny? A hundred percent. Right. I guess that's where I was hundred percent. Like magic, like this is like, oh, this is a, I do think that you do get some key moments in your life where I think there are moments where you go, oh, you get plenty of shots at that thing. Yeah. I think there are a few things where you maybe only do get one shot. Right. And it's like, yeah, you better make that moment count. I I believe that. That's certainly been true in my life. I feel where, oh, there's some things it's like, oh, it's okay if you miss that one. You get another few shots at that or you get unlimited shots at that, you know. But I think, I think things like picking the person you have your children with, you get one good shot of that, actually. Right. Okay. Because if you have kids with the wrong person, you, do, you can't go, well, let's just do that again. No, you've got children. I'm right. lucky. You know? I think there are other things where it's like, no, you better get that right. I'm, I'm a bit like that. I think, you know, if you're, if you're, doing, a, if you're doing a genetic collaboration... I love that. Right. Make sure you do yeah. it right. Yeah. Do pick pick someone you feel is is maybe up to scratch yeah. for you. Um genetic yeah. collaboration. That's fantastic. <laughs> I love that. You know, if we're if we're making a, a mini us, you know, I, I feel that the, the, the players in this band need to be great players. Yeah. Right? Um Yeah. Don't take multiple shots of that over and over it'll yeah. <laughs> ruin the bank account <laughs> yes yeah it will um but so, yeah that's kind of how i feel like you know not everyone gets to gets to uh not everyone gets to do that but but you know i yeah i feel i'm with you there i, I felt that then because tony robbins obviously wouldn't 
come on QVC UK very much. It was once a year. Yeah. He would be there. And so there was a team of like 20 producers, multiple shifts. I could miss him. I might have to wait another year. Who knows? Maybe more. Right. But, um, and it was the last show. And um, he was late to the studio. He literally showed up like 15 minutes before the show was due to go on. I ended up having about eight minutes to talk to him before mm -hmm. the show, which is my chance as a producer to go, look, I've reviewed the last three shows. This is what I want us to do different. Right. I wish I'd said it that confidently when he showed up, but that here was my hero. Here was the man that had changed my life. And mm -hmm. I was like, I said, <laughs> you know, but I, I did my best to sort of say, look, here's how we're going to do this show differently. And it knocked it out of the park. Right. So it did more than twice as well as any other show had done. Right. Um, to put it into perspective, his, his, his previous three shows, even just from this visit, had averaged about 55 grand an hour, which is a lot of money. Right. But when you consider half of that goes to QVC, making the product, shipping the product and all that, like Mr. Tony Robbins isn't making that much money from that actually. You know? Right. And the show we did, did 117 grand. Oof. And I was like, oh. And it was dream come true. Right. And I got to... Um, you know, I got to thank him for how it helped my life. Tell me about the. Mo I, I need a. I need a. You probably don't remember it blow by blow. Oh, I do. Oh, you do. Oh, 100%. So your adrenaline's not firing off. Sometimes I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd see the. Th well, would, this is. You know, when you say. De sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. You know, when you say like destiny, yeah. I knew. Um, when I knew I'd be working you with was, him, you was I was like, in. I'm going to record every second of this okay. in my brain. Okay. You know? I like this. Okay. Yeah. So, right. I, I need a, a play by play mm. of. Because we've been building up to this. Mm. So give me the play-by-play. -play. Okay, the play-by-play -play is I get, to the, I get to work early, for starters, and I review all three shows. Right. Because I want to see what he had been doing. Yeah. Because all I was focused on was doing better. Yeah. So that he thanks me. Because remember, for a decade, I've been dreaming of him thanking me. Yeah. And me being able to go, no, thank you. Right. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, no, this is my give back, mate. Yeah. You know, like, oh, that was yeah. the whole, it's like, that's all that's vibrating my entire system is yeah. like, this is my chance. Yeah. You know, so I review the shows and I put a lot of work into really figuring out what maybe he's not doing as well, what he could be doing better. As it turns out, they were, again, very simple things, right. you know, really simple things. Like when you're on shopping telly, an interview format like we're doing now doesn't work that well. Right. It's nice. It makes nice interview watching, but it doesn't sell product. Yeah. So we needed to shift the format slightly because there'd be Tony Robbins and a show host right. guiding it. And they were, they were a little bit like interview shows. Right. And I thought there's a few things we can do to up it a little bit, you know. And then... I had to do some other shows because if you're going in for a 12-hour shift, I'm, I was producing a few other shows. So I'm just like getting them out of the way. I didn't remember a second of them. You right. know, just get them out of the way, you know. But as his show approached, I had this fantasy in my head. And this is the th this I never forget this is I remember thinking, oh, we're going to be friends. I'm going to get to sort of chat with him. He's going to be here at the studio for hours before we're going to chat, I'm going to get to know him, I'm going to get his number, Yeah. we're going to hang out, he's going to be gonna my best golf. buddy. Yeah, yeah right, right, right? Like yeah. he's going to be inviting me out to the States, you know. Didn't go down like that at all. Right. So usually a show, a guest, so like Tony Robbins, a guest should be in the studio an hour before their show, the, at the most an right. hour, 
preferably two hours before their show, so that the producer can meet with them, speak through the show plan, all this kind of right. stuff, you know. Um, so I am literally like somebody who's been stood up on a date. I'm waiting, I'm literally looking at the clock, I'm waiting for him to get there. It's an hour before the show, and, they, and, and I'm like, he's going to be here any minute. Gets to about half an hour to the show. And what I remember distinctly is how I would adjust this fantasy in my head. So it went right. from we're going to be best friends to with half an hour to go, he might like me. I'll be like one of those acquaintances right. that he'll be like, oh, yeah, look me up if you're ever in yeah. California. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And then at 20 to the hour, I'm going, he might remember my name. It, yeah. in like, right. And then know, 15 the minutes too, you're like, next, I'm playing cool this time. Yeah. Next time I've got him. <laughs> totally. <laughs> right. So that is something I'll never forget is how this fantasy of how he and I would be together just got condensed and condensed until it was like, he'll say thanks. And that's it. He might remember <laughs> my name. to build it up on the way home. Yeah. Into, yeah. yeah, that was it. That was it. <laughs> That was the te- that was the totally. reward system. As it turned out, <laughs> I ended up with a bit of A4 paper, right? With, um, dear James, thanks for all your help. Live with passion, Tony Robbins. That was what I ended up with, <laughs> right. and it was like I got a bit of paper instead of this fantasy of playing golf with him, you know? Right. But um, so 15 minutes before the show, and I was like, I need the loo. Like right. I've got to go. You know, you have a little nervous piss. I have on. a lo- little nervous piss. Right. He comes into the loo oh, God. and literally takes the urinal next to me. He's, he's six foot. He's like you. He's a right. very big man. He's like right. six foot nine, right? Yeah. Six, seven, six, nine, something like that. So all I remember is nervously pissing. Being as in the this, shadow of his dick. As this shadow, <laughs> seriously, and this horse piss right. occurring next to me. And of course, I'm thinking now it's probably not a good time to go, oh, hi, he's by the way, I'm your producer. <laughs> Right. Right. So I sort of, it's really awkward because I'm like, do I say hello now? No, right. don't say hello now. Just shake and get out. Three shakes, James. Any more than that? We know where we are. Right. Yeah. Right. It was like one shake. Tony's watching. <laughs> I went for the dribble option, I think, <laughs> uh, just to get out of there. <laughs> so I then gra- I grab Carrying a machine. that one with you. Right. Yeah. I grab a machine copy, coffee. Right. I walk up to the green room and then he comes in a few minutes later. And it's a little bit weird. So it's not even how I dreamt we'd say hi, right? <laughs> like, it's a little bit weird because it's like, oh, hi that look where you'd never acknowledge it but I go oh, hi I'm your producer and he's going I just took a piss next to you that's weird <laughs> so we go up to the studio right. I've got eight minutes to go over the game plan with him right he sits down now remember he's got an earpiece in as well so I can communicate with him through the show and the show host yeah um, and then I, I go to the the gallery the dark room where the you know the show takes place the director's in there who chooses the shots I'm in there the PA's in there, the producer's assistant, you know, and a few other, the graphics people. We're all in this small room. It's filled with monitors and the show begins. And it's, that's when it is just execute the plan. Right. Execute the plan. Just do the things that you know are going to make this show better. Yeah. You know, um, and what what was great was he was very good at taking uh, instruction in his ear. Right. I imagine that would throw me off because... I don't want to go on a tangent too much, but I've played games of Call of Duty with my squad mm. and there's been a slight echo of what I'm saying in the headset. Mm. Throws me right off. Like I can hear myself coming back at me or I can hear, throws me off. So I can imagine See, me trying it's very to present. Familiar. Yeah. And there, there's you going, you know, you go, welcome to QVC, blah, blah, blah. And then Tell them that it's a special offer today. I yeah, you've stopped do, already. I can't even yeah, do yeah. it, right? Yeah. 
amazing. All right, okay, that's great. And that's a skill in itself. It's isn't a skill it? in and of itself. Yeah, isn't it? So yeah, that's yeah. So sorry. yeah, let's just. So you see, so I can take your language there. Yeah, and just you, you do learn to just like keep the mouth moving. Yeah, while someone's talking, it's weird. If you want to play a fun game at home, put headphones in and just <laughs> tell your wife to sell the kitchen table or something. It's right. hilarious. Anyway. Um, so we do the show at the end of the show he does everything textbook at the end of the show I look at the scoreboard it yeah. says 116,000 I even remember this is how much I remember every second it said 116,902 pounds that's what right. the show did Yeah, and I just remember going like oh, done Right. Amazing. So immediately after the show I run back up to the studio and then stop just out the door so I don't look too desperate and walk yeah. in and I go, That's great. I tell him the numbers. And he goes, That's great. That's great, man. Yeah. I go, Listen, could you I've got this A4 pad and I was like, Could you write a little and he's just like, Yeah, 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 there you go. And that was it, and then he was gone. He was gone. I got a little opportunity at that point to just say, By the way, I've got a thank you, you really helped me when I was a kid. I had this terrible blushing problem and unlimited power really helped me. He said, yeah. great, man. You know, like he was he was lovely yeah. and busy. Right. You know, it, it felt very much like he was going on to his next appointment. Yeah. So he wasn't, you know, fully, you know, like, yeah, hey, stop everything. Let's you and me get to know each other. He was, you know, he's leaving the studio. Yeah. So um, it was, the meeting with him wasn't what I'd fantasized it could have been. Yeah. But the result lay a foundation for the rest of my career to, to the present day. Now, do you believe in Never Meet Your Heroes? Do you feel that that experience... I do. Did do, do you feel a bit empty after that? Do you feel a little sort of like, well, what now? What is my... Because you'd held on to that for 10 years. Yes. I, I... The idea of it, I held on to, and that, and that I was on cloud nine for months afterwards. Right. I really okay. was. Right. But in terms of him and my experience of him. Yeah. He was very normal, normal guy. Yeah. And this goes back to what we said at the beginning, right? It's like, the, well, why wouldn't he be? The real, yeah. He's a human. But there's the real, the real and yeah. the... I had seen this yeah. alpha monkey in yeah. photo form. Yeah. You know, like the monkey. <laughs> and the, oh, I'd given all my grapes to just to look at this man. Yeah. And then when I meet him, I'm like, oh, oh, he's just a dude. And he pisses yeah. and... yeah. You know. And he doesn't really want to look at the picture of... Yeah, he's a yeah. normal guy. Interesting. I have a thing. I have a thing just like your thing with Dave Grohl. Dave really? Grohl's... Yeah. Dave, And I've come close. Dave Grohl's drumming, for me, just... You know how we, when you hear your favourite band or whatever, the way that your ears um, translate it into your brain, it just makes complete sense and it just feels incredible just feels right the same way as when you see you know when you see someone and they're so beautiful there's something about them that you have that moment when you go oh my god oh yeah. my god and you and you're like am i in love have i just fallen in love instantly they're very rare moments but it's that it's that what you're seeing your eyes are translating that into something that your brain mm. is finding very 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 delicious and, mm. and it feels very right dave Grohl's drumming is that for me in mm. nirvana and stuff like that and it's always been like I've like you. One day I want to meet and I want to say, "Dude, you don't know what you've done." Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, thank you so much. Yeah. And I get I get kind of close. Like I've been kind of close. My one of my teachers in when I was studying music at Bath College, she was teaching us PR and press, and the and the business side of that stuff. She was Nirvana's PR agent. 
and she was um, the Foo Fighters PR agent. So that was like a, a, a an element of uh, what's the, a degree of separation. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this like is one the, degree, right? This is the closest I've ever been to yeah. Dave Grohl. But it, I wasn't even anywhere close. Do you know what I mean? She doesn't do the job anymore, and yeah. but she could tell me stories. <coughs> she could tell me stories about being on the road and and the time that her kid bit his ankle and and it was like weird but like he was cool <laughs> about it and do you know what I mean and like they, they were friends and stuff and then a few years later I'm back here in Froome doing the, doing the band thing I've become good friends with Huey Morgan from the Fun Loving Criminals he does the BBC Six show he's playing sick ones on there all the time making us his like track of the year so far and things like that and then, and I know that they're friends because I've spoken to Huey about Dave is my drum god. He's what he does is just the, the the blueprint of what I do, and it just I love it. It makes so much sense to me, and I'm not like a fanatical fan, but I've had dreams of meeting Dave and thanking him, and I've always and I've woken up with like tears and stuff. It's very mm. strange. Yeah, so I get that. I, I I sort of relate to that 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 kind of thing of like you don't know what you've done, and I really I just in my my being i just need to say thank you mm. it's something it's like a cleansing or yeah. something and the closest i've come is the foo fighters came to were you living in Froome at this yeah. point foo fighters came to Froome. i was thinking i was, I was hosting a rock show on Froome fm at the time and i was thinking surely i'll get an invite because i host the rock show on yeah. the on the, the local radio got friends that work at the venue no one could no one could get in. There was the uh, Chris um, Chris Bailey, our, our, our podcast friend. Um, he was the official photographer for the venue. He could, he was he was struggling to try and get in. It was that locked down when the Foo Fighters came. And I was, it got to the Thursday before the show, and I was like, oh, for God's sake, I don't, I don't know what what to do. Like Dave Grohl is going to be in my town playing the venue that I play. Do you know what I mean? All my mates run, I know the venue like the back of my hand. I can get backstage in the dark. Do you know what I mean? It's like, and he's going to be there and I can't get in because they've got all the fan club. They've figured out their their um, postcodes and everything and they sent those wristbands out to right. their own, you know, very exclusive show. It wasn't even at capacity, the venue at the time. And I was like, fuck So it gets to Thursday and I'm getting a bit, a bit weird. I text Huey, hey man, um, you you are uh, you going to this Foo Fighters show tomorrow? And he texts back, oh shit, dude, I didn't know you knew about that. Is that like that was supposed to be a secret? And I was like, dude, everyone knows about that now. And he was like, cool. And I was like, and he was like, are you going? Have you got an in? And I text back like, nah, man, I can't seem to find an in. And he goes, oh shit, man. And it, he's like give me a call so I was like all right give me a minute I gave him a call and I was like I didn't really text him to say can you get me in but I was kind of I guess I was hoping that he yeah. would try and he goes hey dude and, he, and I was like yeah I'm trying to get in I can he's like have you gotten in I was like obviously like well no and he was like all right okay I know we've talked about this I know that you love Dave so much I, he was like let me leave this with me let me see what I can do I'm not promising anything because it's the hottest ticket on the planet mm. for that for that day. It was the next day. He was like, "I'm meant to be there, but I'm gonna be. I've got to go to London for, for to be on the BBC the next day for his show. Leave it with me. I can't promise you anything, but I'll, I'll have a little. I'll have a dig. 
gets to the next day, it's Friday. I'm starting to see on Instagram and everything that, you know, there's trucks loading in and the, the rock show is here. The yeah. biggest fucking yeah, yeah. rock show on the planet with my man, Dave Grohl, is here. It's almost 12 noon. I haven't heard anything back from Huey. Phone rings. Yo, what's up, bro? How you doing? I'm like, hey, man, what's up? He's like, yeah, man, I got you in. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I tried, I tried. I couldn't get you in. So I just rang Dave. And I was like, you what? You what? He's like, yeah, I rang Dave. I told him I know this guy. He's a drummer. He's really good. Can you get him on the guest list? And he goes, yeah, Dave said, yeah. All right, I put the, I put the kid on my guest list. And he's like, you're on Dave's guest list. And I was like, oh my Jesus Christ. You got a plus one. Oh my God. And that's the closest I've come. That's the closest I've come. Dave Grohl's put me on his on his guest list for the for the Foo well, Fighters what, what, show. You didn't get into the show. No, I came. I went to the show, but right. I didn't meet him. I didn't meet him. But that's the closest. But you saw him. Yeah, we we we. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was there at the wristband. I was in the queue. Everyone was out in the car park waiting. You know, you know. I don't know if you went down to see it all. It was just like a mini festival outside because right. people were trying to yeah. wanted to get in. They couldn't yeah, yeah. get in. They didn't have the thing. I I was ushered into this shit. I was ushered into the one of the queues, and this lady came down with a clipboard. She was like, "Which guest list do you on?" I was like, "We're on the Foo Fighters guest list." And she was like, "Okay, what's your name?" And I was like, uh, "Andy Rintmore." I was like, "That that begins with a W," because people always get Rintmore wrong. So it's like W. She's looking through the sheet. Obviously, I'm at the bottom because of W, alphabetical order. And it's getting really tense because I'm thinking, oh, I'm not on it. I'm not on it. Like, it's, there's going to be a, there's going to have been some sort of fuck up and I'm not on it. And it's too late to, to call Huey and be like, Huey, it's not, I'm not on there. What's going on, man? Yeah. She gets to the last page. She goes, oh, yeah, ticks it off. Calm as cool as can be. Hands me two wristbands. And I was just like, oh, my God. Here we go. But that's it. That's the closest that's I've awesome. come was was this far away, you know. And then as I was walking out of the venue, I bump into Ginny, who taught me business, who's friends with the bands and everything. And I was like, hey, Ginny, what's up? She's like, hey, what's happening? I was like, so you're going to go and take me to meet him then? Like, is this the, you know, she was like, I would, but I'm going now. I've got to go. And I was like, okay. And at that point, though, I was kind of all right with it because I'd, I'd had a skin for. Mm. I was on party mode. Mm. And probably was not the best time to meet him but but that i feel like maybe that's as that's, that's as close as what i can an amazing story though it's amazing and it's almost almost a bit emotional yeah talking about it because like I, yeah like i didn't i didn't really do you until think we'd had that conversation the parallels between our stories there deep 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 down do you ever feel a bit disappointed you didn't meet him that night or have you kind of reconciled it i always felt like now there'll be another time because the mm. band was doing good. And we, you know, we, we continued to do well after that. We did even better after that. So, and I've got friends that have met him. So, but yeah, no, I'm, if that's all it is, I'm cool with that yeah. because it's, there's no disappointment with meeting a hero. There's no like, hey man, I've built this thing up. Yeah, like you were saying, like, yeah, yeah. I built this thing up. I want to say thank yeah. you. And then he just goes, cool, man. Cool. Yeah. Hey, do you want a picture? Yeah. yeah. And then he's, then he's gone. Because I'd be a bit like, oh, right. it's almost better to keep hold on mm. to that. It's better in my head, I think. Mm. But just just put him putting me on the guest list, him calling someone and saying, put Andy Rintmore on the guest list for me, please. That's fine with me. That's it. So showbiz. It is, right? So you don't ever feel like, oh, I wish I'd met him that night. Or like... I was, like I said, like when I asked her, I was jokingly asking. And if she'd gone, Andy, I know what this means to you. Come with me. Well, let's go. Um, mm. 
I'd have gone. I'd have been like, I'm lead the way. I'm with you. But I'd had too many drinks. I'd had too many beers. And I was just there for fun at that point. The, 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 the rock and roll dream thing that, you know, somehow, you know, Dave had intervened in Destiny and put me in the show mm. was enough. It's a weird dynamic, I think, because since that's all happened for me, I've had people equally want to thank me. Right. Right? Yeah. And what I realize is when someone's thanking you, you just want to, I know this sounds weird, but it's like my fantasy of like Tony Robbins being like, oh my God, let's be best friends. Yeah. When someone's thanking you, you just want to really try and pay attention to them. Yeah. And so I often say having done a lot of speaking, you know, to big audiences and stuff about business stuff, they always say the first time you go up to speak, try not to be put off by the audience because an audience that are listening and trying to learn from you tend to look the same as an audience that are confused. Right. Like people when they're listening and learning from you have like... They're studying. Yeah, right, they're, right. They're, they've got a furrowed brow and they look right. a bit pissed off, right? Right. But they're actually interested. Right, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And I think it's the same when you're thanking somebody who is like a hero. We mm. sometimes think, oh, they were a bit, you know, they are a bit just like, oh, no worries, man. But it's actually when someone's thanking you, I've noticed this in myself, is the best I can do is just be like, try and be present for what they're saying and mm. nod and go like you're welcome yeah. you know it's like you don't want to be like hey man that yeah you know it's it, it's a weird dynamic because you're receiving something you're yes. receiving a thanks and so i think that reception can sometimes be uh what's the word underwhelming right Do yeah you know what i mean i've been on the end of 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 that that what you're talking about someone thanking you when we were heading into lockdown too um, I felt quite strongly. So, well, for someone messaged me and was like, Andy, we're going to another lockdown. You're the deputy mayor. Where's the, you know, where's the leadership? We need, you know, what's going on? And I was like, this is a really, really great point. You know, I should, I should say something or, or the mayor should say something. We need to put out a statement or something, right? And so I felt inspired by this. I went away and I penned an open letter to Froome and it went on all the boards and it got shared on social media. And it was essentially a, pep talk for the town with a bit of a bit of heart and a bit of soul and it was coming from a real place but there's ultimately aspects of that that kind of public face thing that we've talked about a little yeah. bit because you've built the chains they are your mask in a way mm. or they filter out the things that need to be oh, filtered, that's interesting. You know I mean? yeah yeah but most of when I'm when I'm inspired to write, and I'm not going to call myself a writer or anything, because I find writing really difficult. The act of sitting and, and focusing and applying myself to doing it is very difficult. But when I get it, when I get it done, I tend to get it right. I think when I really want to say something, and so I penned this open letter to Froome, and it was like had a lot of like uh, links and things to women's refuge and Samaritans and things like that. And it was like, look, we can do this. That's, you know, a pep talk. Basically it was a motivational letter to the town. And I didn't, and, and people liked it and people said, thank you. I've, I thought that what you said was really great, really brave and, and thank you for it. And then there was a few people that really came to me and were like, no, thank you. That really helped. And there was one guy in particular, a South African guy who I hadn't seen, for a long time, he moved to Trowbridge. 
and and we always got on when I saw him in the shop. It was always good. It was always nice. But he came to see me and he was like, Andy, I read your thing in Trowbridge and I and it really hit me really hard and it really helped me. And he said, I've read it a few times and I always think about it when when I need to. And he says, every day I've sort of felt you telepathically oh, wow. in, in this way. And he said, I've wanted to come here today and, and say thank you. And he was, you know, oh, hitting awesome. his heart and everything. Yeah. Really earnest, bearing his soul, full vulnerability. And it was like, wow. Like, it's such a, it's such a strange feeling because there's an element of uncomfortableness to it, isn't there? Because there's a part of you that that sort of imposter side of you goes, Oh, well, you know, it's just what, you know, maybe this, the, you know. Also, you're not writing it for that. Like, you haven't got right. that in mind, were you, when you were writing it? Like, I know, I want I people to come up and thank me. No, exactly, no. right, yeah. yeah. It wasn't, no, it wasn't for, it wasn't a virtue signal. It yeah, felt like exactly. duty. Yes. Yeah, and it's, and so he was very, yeah, it was like, I wanted to thank you for that. And he was, and, I, and he meant it on an emotional level. And I had to, I had to stop, and I had to just let him express himself, take it in, slow match, match the rhythms of his voice, because I just didn't want. I, the last thing on earth I would have wanted is for him to have walked away and felt like, oh, Andy was just really fucking, you know. It's a, it's a huge honor to to receive that that interaction with another person. So yeah, I've, I've been where you are, and. Is really important. You can't obviously you can't do it for everyone if you're Brad Pitt or whatever, no. but or Tony Robbins. But yeah, like you're saying, I think it's really important to listen and just just try and whoosh, just for that yeah. person because you have no idea what that means to them. Maybe you could never feel that, but and sometimes have a boundary as well because right. you know I've had situations where somebody will thank me and then they may say they may start to tell a story, you know, right. and it can be lovely. Yeah. You know, and it's, there are times I've found where it's important between accepting a present, you know, accepting the gift of the thanks yeah. and being like, this is lovely, thank you. Yeah. And taking it all on. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I don't even know whether that's, the I know best what you're language saying. for it. The, where, the emotional, like yes, it's like can I take the thanks, but I don't need to take like an empath, like empathetic. Yeah, you, you kind of you feel there. We can all, well, not all of us, but I think a lot of us can do this. Is you, you take on a bit of that burden because you feel like you mm. should share it a little bit. But yeah, yeah. I know what you're saying. There's a yeah. it, 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 it. What at some point, some of that comes at a cost to yourself, right? Well, and to your ego, right? I found. Like it can be, it can, because of what we're saying, like when you're writing the words or when I'm on a stage saying, you know, about how you can improve your business, which is quite mundane really. Right. But that can affect somebody so deeply. Well, my intention, I'm not, I'm not sharing what I'm sharing on a stage or in a video or whatever to, with that thanks in mind. Yeah. You know, just like you weren't writing your piece with those thanks in my, oh, this is going to get me the thanks, mm. you know. Oh, MBE, this tool's going to, yeah. No, yeah. And, the, and, but there are people that I'm sure that are like that, you know. And then when they get it, they're like, oh. And we think we can see straight through it, but maybe we can't. <laughs> maybe we can't. Yeah, right. maybe we can't. Yeah. And um, I think that's the, I think, yeah, the cost can be to your ego where 
we're battling self-grandiosity. I don't know what you think about that, but like there's how easy could it be for you, for example, to believe like you're changing lives and every single day at this enormous grandiose level, mm. like the gentleman that you just talked about, yeah. like everyone's being changed like that. And like how then that would shift the entire way you would communicate. I think that's when we see somebody go to the dark side yeah. with their ego. And I you guess know. there's a, a part of that where the individual then begins to feel like they're owed that. Ooh, like they're, yeah. They're owed that. Um, that. Yeah, I like that. There's a bit of entitlement that can then come. That's the, that's and then the you only start measuring it in thanks. Oh, yeah. Rather becomes than, a currency. Yeah. Right. Do you think? Whereas I only, I only saw it as a validation of what I was doing was the right thing to do when yeah. I did it well. Yeah. Which I think is the healthy way. I like the word you, when you just said duty. Yeah. And I think that's not a word that's used that much these days. Right. Yeah. It's, it was it come from an inspiration where it's like, you know, and it's like it, it gnaws at you all day. We took on the burden of responsibility. Yeah. And you You're go, like, oh, I'm going to do it. Yeah, we need to do this. Yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do yeah. it. And, and, every, and, you, and I was stuck at work and I was like, no, I just... I just need to go now and I want to do this now. Mm. Like, I feel like this needs to be done right now. And I couldn't do it like right now. I went and sat on a bench and way home from work, thought I was going to get like in my notes and do it. It started raining on me and shit. I was like, fuck's sake. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah. was, you know, I was like trying to get to, I was trying to get to, the, I wanted to give it every chance to be as good as it could be. I was trying to find the spot with the, the view and the, yeah, yeah. the music and the and it raining. I was like, right now I've got, you know what I mean? Because there's so many distractions at home. But yeah, and I, and mm. I did it and it was, it was good. But, crazy it's um yeah and and also when when i announced being the mayor with this nice picture of me on the steps and and like the chains and everything it got shared it went so viral i can't even tell you what the reach on it was it was insane insane across all platforms it it almost got to the point where i almost dissociated a little bit from the guy on the screen that i was being bombarded with which was me and it was almost a bit like the ego was like Let's detach from that. Mm. Let's detach from that. This would be healthy to detach from that. That is. That does sound healthy, though. That is. That what you'll see on the screen is a representation of something. It's not all you. That love is not all you. It's all you know. It is all you, but it's not. It's chains and 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 a and a and a title and what mm. it means. It's not all you. You know what I mean? It's that the chains almost have to be a bit of a bulletproof vest at times. Mm. You can't, I, I feel that the love and the praise and this and that is really nice, it's really good, but it can be at a point where it's a little bit like, okay, some of this needs to bounce off this a little bit because this is, some of this it's is going to be, this is going to be for this yeah. in a way. Yeah, it's, 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 it's extremely, it's been an extremely interesting time recently. Just that there was a bit of a disconnect between the me on this on the screen that was being shared everywhere and the me that felt who was watching it basically i wonder whether that's part of the process though of what we were talking about earlier of bit of the difference between fake and real and that kind of that sweet spot yeah i think so that sweet spot was somewhere of being able to put that mask on knowing that it's not fake it's a best representation of you and yeah. and the duty you're taking on your, your highest self yeah yeah and it's like and that's not all of me yeah 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 it's an interesting interesting scenario to be yeah. in it didn't feel unfamiliar though it felt strangely familiar. is that from the music might be from some of the some of the celebration about 
people who like the music. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff. It was, it was. So you've had references in the past of like people. Yeah. Digging you for something you created. I heard people something very emotional speaking to me about the music and yeah and yeah yeah yeah. So it felt mm. it felt like trodden like explored territory mm. just on a whole new level, mm. which I'm thankful for because it felt that I knew how to exist within that that realm. Then mm. while it was all very intense, it's a head fuck. We're not we we we're not we shouldn't be evolved to. Um, <laughs> we're not evolved for that i don't think well it's interesting well, we isn't are, it we're, we're evolved i suppose uh alanda botton wrote about this in status anxiety is that you know we used to just have one status right in the tribe let's say and that was it you knew your place yeah whereas now you can have a different status at home than you do at work than you do out in your community yeah than you do with your friends, than you do. And it's like, so yeah. we have to occupy these different levels of stature and status and significance and validation in, in these different contexts yeah. now. And that can be quite stressful for us. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. And with our Instagrams, we are our own PR agents. Mm. We are our own media team. Yeah. It's um, mad. It's mad. It is mad. It's mad. It is it's unhealthy mad. on a mass level, I think. But but it's here. Well, this is it. And I think sometimes you do take on, like after the um, the duty thing was after I helped Tony Robbins. Yeah. Right. I'm just connecting to what you said about yeah, well, the duty piece. To, right. Yeah. Is after that a year after that a friend of mine? I was saying to a friend of mine, I don't know whether I want to keep doing shopping telly. Think I might want to be a hypnotherapist or something else, right? right? And he said, "Don't be a knob. You've just helped. You've just helped Tony Robbins sell more. Like, so this is the guy who's like the most, the top of the tree, right? right. The top of the hierarchy in personal development. You've yeah. just helped him. You don't think there's other people who want to be like him that you couldn't also help?" And I went, "Duh. Oh yeah, that's right. a good point, actually." And so that was that was when I started the online business. So it was, it was, you know, like right at the beginning, I said like coaches and trainers and authors and speakers are like my customers. But it was, the, uh, it's why I loved your use of the word duty because to me that's significant. I right. think, I think we should, and that's again where I do agree with Jordan Peterson. He talks about take on more, right? Take on more responsibility. Yeah. Well, that's something, I mean, listen, you know about that as the youngest ever mayor, you know, ever. But like... Youngest born and bred. I should <laughs> youngest say for born and bred mayor, uh, right? Yeah. So you probably know more than most about the idea of taking on responsibility rather than, you know, and, and the I, I got a sense of that then. It's like, well, if you've, if you've started this new career that didn't even exist at the time, but, you know... That could be a whole career path for you. Forget selling fake diamonds and food processors on the telly. If you've helped the top guy in personal development sell more, why don't you go and help other people in the personal development industry do that? Yeah. And I really saw it as my duty. because, And I think that came from, well, if I've helped, if I, if I can help him, I can help anyone. Right. And probably I should. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't just like, oh, I could, I could make a fast buck. It was like, no, probably you should actually. And so vi online video was starting to become a thing. It was yeah. pre-YouTube, but it was 2004, 2005 is when I started online. And it was like online video was starting to come around. 
And I knew distance persuasion. You know, I knew distance sales, how to move people, how to influence people at a distance. And so that was, that was how the business came around. It was then just, there was this emerging coaching industry in the UK. And I just saw it very much as like, well, you, you ought to. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> yeah. ought to bloody get on with that, you know. That's what my friend Alistair said to me. He was just like, what are you doing? Selling shit on telly. Like, go and help people that can help other people with their blushing problem. Right, yeah. And that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? And I thought, oh, yeah, I, I ought to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and here I am. We are 17 years later. Yeah. Amazing. I think this is probably the best, the best point to, to drop off this, Harry. What do you think? I think I think we could go for ages. Yeah, part two. That was that was fucking great. Was that all right? Fucking great, dude. The fucking the world went quiet. (laughs) Thank you so much to James Lavers for coming on the Giant Pod. We're going to leave all the relevant links in the show notes descriptions for you, so you can go and investigate his work. We'll probably leave some links to Tony Robbins as well. Uh, if you want to catch us on social media, it is at the Giant Pod on Twitter and Instagram. My Instagram is Andy underscore S1S. If you like this podcast, please tell a friend about it. Tell one friend. It really, really does help us out. Make sure you leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. This podcast was produced by our very own QVC producer, Harry Williams. We'll see you next week on the podcast. Talk more about the shiny handle, Andy. <laughs>